0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Have your Bible, we find one there in the pew in front of you. We're going to read just uh, three verses Beginning at verse 25, you will remember, those of you who have been here now for a while, that uh, we're in the middle of dealing with the things that Jesus said from the cross. He made seven statements from the cross. This is the third statement that he made. We'll continue with these all the way up until Easter Sunday. Verse 25 of chapter 19, the Gospel of John. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son." Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. I know all of you have either asked the question or had it asked of you, How are you doing? And the response is, I'm doing great. I'm living right at the foot of the cross. I'm assuming that we say that with tongue in cheek. Or we may say of somebody else, he really is living right. He's living at the foot of the cross. I want us to look this morning at what it really means that live at the foot of the cross. For this is where we find the mother of Jesus. And John, the disciple that is described in the Gospel of John is the one whom Jesus loved. We don't find evidence of the rest of the apostles being there. Some soldiers and... Perhaps a few of the general public were close by, but there beneath the cross was a very distraught mother. She had, had her heart broken by the treatment that had been given her son. This was her son. And we need to think in terms of it being her son that went through the trial, was blindfolded and slapped and spat upon and made walk through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his own cross upon which he was to be executed. It was her son who was forced to lie down upon that cross. And she had to witness the driving of the nails through his hands and through his feet. She saw the soldiers as they gambled for his garments and as they drove the nails and as they just went about their normal duties of another execution she saw the Sanhedrin with their snarling attitude that was expressed by them and they shouted to Jesus as he was hanging upon the cross. You save others. Why don't you save yourself if you're the Christ? She saw him condemned. And I'm sure that as she stood beneath that cross and watched this awful execution, there had to go through her mind, where are his followers? Where are his disciples? Only one could she find. I think she must have run around that crowd looking for Peter. Couldn't find him. Or Matthew. Or the others. <clears throat> and those that she did find, she was saying to her, come on, I need your help. Come on down here to the cross. She said, no. No. Well, she listened to Jesus First thing he said was to his father. He said, Father, forgive me. Well, I don't know what they're doing. She listened as he spoke to the one thief and said to that thief who had repented, Today you will be with me in paradise. And and now She speaks to her, or he speaks to her, and he speaks to John, To a mother whose hopes had been dashed, I don't know what went through her mind, but I think she must have thought back to the days when the angel came to her, called her a name, told her that she was going to have a baby. What I don't understand how, how can this possibly be the angel explained that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and what would be conceived in her would be called the son of God he would be the savior of the world this is the person that all Israel had been looking for and she had been selected to be the mother of the Christ child. I think she may have thought back to the shepherds as they surrounded the cradle there in the barn and gave their homage to this newborn,
2: this baby destined to be a king, destined to be the savior of his
1: people. the scripture tells us that she pondered all of these things in her heart. I think she may have reflected back on the day that the wise men came from the Orient and bowed their knee before the Christ child and gave him gifts. I think she may have remembered the day and other members of the family and friends had gone to Jerusalem perhaps for the Passover on their way home they didn't miss him until it was bedtime they discovered that he wasn't in the the group in the crowd he he didn't come home they looked through all the group and couldn't find him and went back to Jerusalem and the next day They discovered that he was in the temple, sitting in the middle of all of those philosophers and theologians and great men of the Sanhedrin and discussing theology and Bible and the future with them. And she knew that this person that she was the mother of was someone special. now all of her expectations and aspirations seemingly were done. her son evidently was not going to be the king he was not going to be the one who would save his people for she didn't yet seemingly understand that which was happening and she went around claiming his innocence this is my son he didn't do anything like you're charging him with. Wouldn't any mother do this? Wouldn't she plead with well, the soldiers? Don't nail him to that cross. He's innocent. Wouldn't she have begged for his clothes to be left upon his body so that he wouldn't be shamed before all that crowd? But to no avail, for he now hangs here as a common criminal. On the day that Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple for the ordinance of circumcision, there was an old man there by the name of Simeon. You find his story in the second chapter of Luke who had been promised of God that he would not die until the seen Christ. <coughs> and when Mary and Joseph come into the temple with the baby, he takes the baby and holds him in his hands. <coughs> and then he says this, he said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Remember when we sang that at Christmas? Verse 34 says, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise of again of many in Israel and for a sign that shall be spoken against. And then he said something very, very special to her. He said, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy soul also. I think on this day of the crucifixion she remembered those words of Simeon and indeed now a sword was piercing her soul. As she saw the execution of her son whom God himself had promised would be the savior of the world. He would be called the son of the highest and does this look like the son of God? What hopes have been dashed? She remembered his miracles and how he preached to crowds Now he had even healed people and had raised them from the dead. And now he's hanging here helpless and hopeless seemingly without any possibility of achieving the purpose that she thought God had assigned him. The disciples had forsaken save John. She stands by the cross. How could she bear such sorrow when just 33 plus years before when the angel had spoken to her and made the announcement of the birth of Christ she said behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word she didn't know that this was a part of what she had agreed to do but now she must suffer But let's look away from her a moment and look at Jesus on the cross. The man on the cross is in agony. He said only two things to this point. One was a prayer to God to forgive those who didn't. One was a promise to a repentant thief that he would be saved. Now he turns in tenderness his own mother. The mother that had reared him. On whose knee he had bounced many days. The mother who had sung to him the lullabies and the hymns of the church. The mother who had taught him the basics of the scriptures. The mother who had provided him a home now stands on the ground below him helpless, and he's concerned about her and not himself. She was a widow. He knew that as being the eldest son that he had a responsibility for her welfare he turns to her and he's head down and looks at her and although the King James uses the word woman in our day and time that word is too harsh that's not the way he said it let me put it in my terms and you take it only for that he said mother John will take care of you that's what he said more concerned about her physical welfare than about the agony that was pulling upon his hands and causing him difficulty in breathing or worrying about the blood that was spilling from his wounds. He was concerned about his mother. He'd been talk that well. And there is a responsibility that children have for their parents. And it goes beyond words. It is a responsibility of affection, of gratitude, of respect, and certainly of love that he had been taught. Then he turns to John. He says, John, take care of my mother. I think he said it that way because John says from that very hour, he took her to his home and cared for her from that day on. I started out with the question, About living at the foot of the cross. When we say that, oh, we're just fine, we're living at the foot of the cross. I want to ask you now, you want to repeat that statement? When you see that those at the foot of the cross were in. Misery and agony because of their devotion to a person. One, a mother for her son. Another, a disciple for his savior. When most of them ran and hid, refused to be identified with the one who was being executed, to live beneath the cross put your life on the line. It makes a commitment. We can't follow in the shadows behind the rocks and obscure from view. To live beneath the cross puts us in the forefront <coughs> But what a tremendous blessing it is to be there. I hope you'll pardon me if I make a personal reference to Lynn, whom most of you know is our daughter who died a year and a half ago of cancer. But I want to use it as a focal point. I'll come back to my point in a moment. I'm so glad that the day she died, I was there, was at her bedside, didn't know that she was going to die until 15 minutes before she did, had every expectation that she would go home from the hospital until that last 15 minute period. As a matter of fact, it probably was even shorter than that when we really realized what was happening. I think maybe even down to five minutes when I knew that this was the end. Faye, the girl that we raised, was there, but she had decided to go get herself something to drink and so was not present at the moment of her death. She had been gone five minutes. When she came back, she said, but I was only gone five minutes. But in that five-minute period, life left her body. I'm glad I was there. Because I heard her speak, and I saw her. She absenced herself from the bedside at the worst possible time. Sometimes we leave the presence of the cross and go out into our other affairs of life. And miss the most glorious experience that's possible. Look what the disciples missed in not being there. They didn't hear his last words. They didn't hear his prayer. Father, forgive them. They didn't hear him say to the thief, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. They didn't hear him say to Mary, John will take care of you. Or they didn't hear him say to John, John, take care of my mother. All the other statements that he made. Because they weren't beneath the cross. We can take our lives and get away from the cross and go out into our own affairs and occupy our life full of things that seemingly are so important. with our jobs and our families and our recreation and our personal affairs, and we absence ourselves at the most crucial moment from the presence of the cross and miss the blessing that could have been ours had we stuck to it and stayed there. It's sad when Christian people absence themselves from living at the foot of the cross. the last time you knelt beneath it? What has Jesus said to you Robert lately? And to some of you, I want to ask you, have you ever knelt there? You ever hear what he said to the thief? He'll say to you, down here on your knees at this rail pour out your prayer to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness for straying from the cross some of you you never allowed the blood of the Lord Jesus to cleanse your sins and make you whole. You ought to do it this morning. I tell you what you've got to do to do it, you're going to swallow your pride. If you have any pride in you, you'll never do it. It's only when you lose yourself can you find Christ. But I'm going to ask you to do it. Those of you who are Christian who may have strayed, who need a rededication and repentance of your life to get yourself back beneath that cross, I think you ought to be down here this morning. Don't be ashamed of letting somebody else know that you feel insufficient and insignificant. Come on down and do it. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. Kay Ledman is here this morning. I, she has something to say to us, and i that right at the close of the service. Kay has a presentation to make. Kay is the wife of the pastor of the Forks of Cold Church that's led me, and she has come this morning for a special purpose. But right now, as Danny comes to lead us in our invitation hymn, what number, Danny? Four hundred five. Who's playing? Come on, as we stand, four hundred five. take mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. doesn't
2: I appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning on behalf of the West Virginia Baptist Convention. First of all, I want to know how many of you were at, or that probably isn't proper, how many of you attended the fellowship meeting Friday night? Well, let me give you a hand. I appreciated your choir being there and the singing. I appreciated the groups uh, that sang. The group I don't know if it was from this church, but Tim, I know you were in it. The girls that sang, such talent you have at this church, and I'm thankful for that. I really appreciate the fellowship meeting the other night and being able to fellowship with the other churches. On my part here today from the convention, this is a missionary Baptist church, and I'm thankful to tell you today that you increased your giving over 10% last year. And on behalf of the convention today, I'm presenting a certificate to you. I'd like to read just a part of this letter, and I won't, I'll leave the letter with you so you can read it in the entirety. It says, Your giving and prayer support help to make the task much easier and produce greater and greater results. All we have to do is look around us and watch, read, or listen to the news, and we will readily see that the world seems headed to a tragic end, and even more so without an eternal Savior. Jesus Christ is the greatest need of mankind, and we must be about our Father's business, proclaiming the gospel in each and every corner to which God has called us. So we can't always go to these different places, but through our uh, monetary support, and from like from this church and our prayerful support, there are people that can go from our convention and from this state. So I'm thankful for you. Thankful for this church and the interest that you show in missions. You have a good group of ladies here in your mission circle, and we're thankful for those ladies in our association too. So James, on behalf of the West Virginia Baptist Convention <coughs> from Parkersburg, let me read this. It says, this is to certify that all of France Baptist Church, Turtle Creek, West Virginia, is hereby presented this certificate of appreciation as recognition of an increase of 10% or more to the united mission giving of the American Baptist Churches USA for our mission programs. Your continued generous support helps maintain the leadership role which the West Virginia Baptist Convention has attained in recent years, and it is with sincere gratitude that this recognition is given. So James, on behalf of the convention, I present this to you and your church. Uh, there's a lot of churches in West Virginia, and they can't get out to all the churches. So they help. As a network person, I get to do that for the association. And I appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Kay. I honestly have been looking forward to the day that we would get the certificate. I knew these were given out once we... Uh, did something deserving of it, and we finally got there with an increase of, I'm not sure what the percentage is, but over 10% in our giving this past year. We need to continue to do that. All right, let's stand for the benediction, and Sadie, is going to come up here, you come up and give her a word of encouragement, will you? Greet our guests that are here today, make sure that they uh, are recognized, and you introduce yourself to them, and uh, greet Kay also, for those of you who may not know her and uh, make, make everyone welcome this morning. Our Father, we're so thankful for this church and its witness in this community, but not only here, but around the world as our efforts extend to many corners of the world through our missionary efforts. We thank you now this morning for Sadie and her desire to reaffirm her faith and rededicate her life to you and her willingness to come forward for this purpose. Thank you for our guests that are here today. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them and bring them back to be with us again. Dismiss us now with your love and your tender mercy. In Jesus' name we pray.